Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. These people intellectually processed what Jesus did, believed that it was true, but did not change their actions around it. I believe Jesus is the Son of God, but I'm not going to live my life like it. Uh, I believe that people shouldn't go hungry, but I'm not trying to go down to the food bank and volunteer. I believe domestic violence is wrong, but I'm not trying to support a battered women's shelter. I understand that homelessness is a plight that we have to fight as a community, but I don't want them coming by my church. I'm not racist. I believe racism is wrong, but I won't actively support the people or organizations that speak out against it. All talk and no action and I'm tired of it. Before I get into the word, I would like to take a bit of pastoral privilege and say happy anniversary to my lovely wife, the Reverend Latia Simpson. Um, July 5th, 2009, we got married and it's been wonderful ever since. So happy anniversary, baby, love you. Turn with me, if you will, to the gospel according to Matthew, the 11th chapter, starting with the 16th verse. And I'm going to read from verse 16 all the way to verse 30. Again, that's the gospel according to Matthew verse chapter 11, verse 16 through 30. Hear ye the word of the Lord from the New King James translation. But what shall I liken to this gener- what but to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. Then he, that he being Jesus, began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, It will be more tolerable for Tyre Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent 
and have revealed to and have revealed them to babes even so father for it seemed good in your sight all these things have been delivered to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father nor does anyone know the father except the son and the one to whom the son wills to reveal him come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light god's word for god's people and god's people said amen, amen. you may be seated for the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that I am tired of talking. I am tired of talking. I confess that during this pandemic, during this social uprising, I grow tired of talking. I'm just tired. I'm tired of people calling this disease a hoax uh, while people I know die, go into comas, almost have strokes, are put on ventilators, are crowding ICU beds. I'm tired of having some of the same conversations over and over again. I'm, I'm tired of dealing with people who think that racism doesn't exist. I am tired of the same old hash arguments about Confederate monuments and Confederate flags and uh, people telling me that it's heritage and history, uh, a period of time that lasted for a total of five years is supposed to outweigh uh, something that may have gone on for 400 or longer. I'm tired. Uh, I'm tired of people that care more about a beach being closed than someone's right to vote or someone's right to even live. I am tired of talking about it. Uh, you give people your personal experiences with an issue and they say, uh, that you need to look at both sides. You need to consider the other person's side in the matter. Uh, or they say that what happened to you was just a one-off. It was a mistake. Uh, it's not all bad. That's just a few bad apples. Uh, people cut that phrase off, by the way. The, the entire phrase is a few bad apples spoil the whole bunch. But I digress. Um, they say that it's just a one-off. But then when you start referencing facts and studies and, and experiments that have been taken, they then say that all those numbers are made up, they're fake. It becomes a draining work. And the people that I'm talking to never seem satisfied. And it has me using my energy in places that I don't need to use them, and it goes to waste. I'm Amen. tired. 
I find it interesting that I'm thinking about these things and this lectionary has this passage of scripture during the, this week. It's a text in the gospel according to Matthew. Here you uh, have a place where the scholars are calling after the second major discourse in uh, Matthew and before the passage, some disciples of John. While John is in prison, by the way, these disciples of John have come to Jesus and asked him, is he the one or should we search for another? <laughs> is Jesus the savior or do we need to keep looking? Seriously? John's disciples, John who baptized Jesus, when he baptized them, the skies opened. Amen. When he baptized them, not only did the skies open, the spirit descended upon him like a dove. <laughs> not only that, but when he baptized them and the skies opened and the spirit descended upon them like a dove, God spoke something that doesn't happen often in the New Testament. But God spoke and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. John was there for that. But yet and still, while he is in prison, his disciples come and ask, is he the one or should we search for another? While all of this is going on, people still had questions. And I put questions in air quotes because uh, something that I've learned to uh, or learned about people sometimes is when they want to ask something offensive, they say it's just a question. Uh, they, they really don't care what you have to say, but they're trying to put it in and they'll say it's just a question and get out of your feelings. But they fully intended to offend you with their question. And so the disciples of John have come to Jesus in the text and asked, is he the one uh, <laughs> or should they search for another? And these are people who had not heard about Jesus. These were people who were actually there. It's kind of like kids playing a game. And, and when one kid is losing, they, they play a game that they've made up. And when one kid is losing, they decide to change the rules mid-game so that they can win. So that they have a better chance. And John and Jesus had the same goal, but they were going about it differently. Uh, John talked about judgment and condemnation. Matter of fact, it was John talking in Matthew chapter 3 when he talked about uh, the one that was coming behind him and his winnowing fan and is in hand. In chapter 3 verse 12, his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John talked about how people were going to be separated like the wheat was from the chaff and those who were of the chaff, uh, they, they would be burned up. He had a, a message of judgment and condemnation. Condem condemnation, rather. And, and, and Jesus was talking about liberation and restoration. So he responded to the, are you the one or should we search for another? He said to them in uh, chapter 11, verses 4 through 5, Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Amen. 
So his just question was answered. We are out here doing the work. Not talking, but doing the work. But that's enough to send John's disciples off. But there are still some people, all of this happened before the part that I read in chapter 11. Uh, all of this happened before there, but there are still some people that got questions. Just some questions. Just trying to talk. And Jesus hears them and he turns and talks to everyone where we picked up in the reading, talking about this generation not wanting whatever was put in front of them to bring them to God. And while people will look at some of these passages and say that this is a John versus Jesus thing, I submit to you that this is not about today, John versus Jesus, but rather God versus society. Amen. Uh, this whole generation has a problem with things that are put in front of them, even though they are right there and plain as day. Clear to see. I was watching uh, uh, some videos throughout the week and I came across the conversation uh, between some sports analysts, uh, one by the name of Bobani Jones and another one by the name of Will Kane. And they were having a conversation about the NASCAR racer Bubba Wallace. Uh, for those who don't know, Bubba Wallace is the only African-American car driver in the NASCAR Cup Series. And his driving crew, when they were going to Talladega, his driving crew, somebody in his driving crew rather, found a noose tied up on the garage in his stall. Uh, NASCAR issued a statement saying that they will not tolerate uh, hate crimes and they were ordering a full investigation and they uh, brought in the FBI to investigate what was going on and released a statement and they also had removed the Confederate flag and no longer allowed the Confederate flag to be flown at their events. A bunch of people were mad about this. Well, uh, the FBI conducted the investigation and come to find out that that noose was not tied just before uh, Bubba Wallace was supposed to race uh, at that race. And it had actually been there since the fourth quarter of 2019. NASCAR did a further investigation and said uh, that they went and searched uh, over a thousand uh, uh, garages in all the places where NASCAR races and uh, only 11 of them had a knot tied in uh, a pull-down fashion uh, in over 1,600 or more garages. Only 11 of them had knots, but still only one of them had nooses. Um, and so they issued this statement. But those people who never wanted to believe Bubba Wallace in the first place, said it was a hoax and started calling him Bubba Smollett in, in, uh, in relation to Jesse, Jesse Smollett who had uh, made up uh, some accusations about being beat up as a hate crime. And so they all they heard was hoax, 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 hoax. But when I look at the picture of the quote unquote garage pulled down, it's a noose. And in over a thousand garages, there's only one noose tied. That leads me to believe it's not a hoax. Even the FBI in their statement said it's a noose. But the people who were so mad that they had lost their Confederate flag called it a hoax. 
No matter what you put in front of them, they still argued about it. And so Bamani Jones and Will Kane were having a conversation on uh, Will Kane's show. And, and Will Kane had said that the, because NASCAR had jumped the gun on calling it a hate crime, Will Kane said that these false accusations pushed back the movement. That these false claims empower racist people. And Bumani Jones pushed back and said, no, racism empowers racist people. And Will Kane would not let off of his point. He kept talking about how NASCAR jumping to a conclusion had pushed the thing back. And Bumani Jones was saying that basically, even if it was real or if next time down the line there is something that is concrete, they'll still hold on to the fake one because they don't want to believe the evidence that's put right in front of them. Amen. And here is my problem with this, right? When it comes to these things, if I have to cross every T and dot every I and pitch a practically perfect game for you to recognize racism, then you didn't want to acknowledge it in the first place. Uh, bringing it back to the text, he said, uh, John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they said, look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So the people of God had a problem with John because he was fasting too much. And then the people of God also had a problem with Jesus because he ate too much and hung around the wrong people when he ate. You keep coming up with ways, you move the goalposts, you keep coming up with all these ways to say that you don't want to hear what is right in front of your face. This approach to duck the conversation or continually point out something wrong in somebody's approach is exactly what Dr. King was talking about when he said that the greatest opponent, opponent rather the civil rights, was not the white counselor or not the Ku Klux Klansman, but the white moderate. People find a way not to be all the way in. People find a way to have a conversation about it or say that now's not the time to talk about it, but we can talk about it later, but they don't actually do anything about it. And that's why I get tired of talking. Amen. Jesus mentioned some cities in the text, Chorazin uh, and Bethsaida and Capernaum. Jesus performed miracles there. These were supposed to be the good cities, the cities that had their acts together. The problem is, though, that these places saw the miracles that God worked through Jesus to perform, and those cities intellectually understood what was going on and believed the miracles that Jesus did, but they did not repent. Repenting is a psychological term in the Bible, literally to change your mind, to change the way you think, to have some actions prove that you don't feel the same way you originally felt about something. Amen. To repent. These people intellectually processed what Jesus did, believed that it was true, but did not change their actions around it. Uh, 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 I believe Jesus is the son of God, but I'm not going to live my life like it. 
I believe that people shouldn't go hungry, but I'm not trying to go down to the food bank and volunteer. I believe domestic violence is wrong, but I'm not trying to support a battered women's shelter. I understand that homelessness is a plight that we have to fight as a community, but I don't want them coming by my church. I'm not racist. I believe racism is wrong, but I won't actively support the people or organizations that speak out against it. All talk and no action and I'm tired of it. And in this lack of action, other people hop up and fill the space. That's why a priest in Carmel, Indiana can sit up there and call Black Lives Matters maggots and parasites. Because we want to have these conversations and keep moving the goalposts and keep coming up with a way that we don't have a problem to get actually, that, that we have a problem with rather to prevent us from getting actively involved. And because the so-called silent majority is looking for somebody to be perfect before they even consider hearing the argument, we get others making those kinds of comments. We get others doing things to undermine the civil rights movement. We get others packing judges with, uh, packing courts with judges who will change things for the next 200 years that we can't undo. We'll get people doing these things because the so-called silent majority is looking for a perfectly pitched game before they get involved. John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said he had a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they said, look, a glutton, a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. One of the commentaries that I, I worked on, the theologian said that during, for this passage, that during uh, this this week of patriotic celebration, how can we fail to reflect on the ways which our own generation understands and fails to understand the reasons for dancing and the reasons for weeping. We are often so easily lulled by the other songs and voices of our culture. Not only do we miss the moments that matter, we regularly dance when we ought to mourn for a world whose burden is heavy and for a people who need rest tired. But the good news is, is that although Jesus says cities like Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum had opportunities and they saw the miracles and did not repent, cities like Tyre and Sidon would be better off in the day of judgment because although they're labeled bad, cities uh, they can turn around and still be considered good. To turn a phrase, it say, they say that God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the call. Jesus speaks on helping the lowly, the innocent, the children, those who do not have all their act together. Carl Barth insisted that righteousness always requires favoring the threatened innocent, the oppressed poor, the widows, the orphans, the aliens. God always stands unconditionally and passionately on this side and on this side alone against the lofty and on behalf of the lowly, against those who already enjoy the right and privilege on behalf of those who are denied and deprived of it. Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. I like that he did this. We are called ourselves Christians. 
and the proper response in these things when people keep moving the goalposts. People keep trying to change the conversation to, 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 to pacify their comfort, their comfort. Jesus showed us what to do because while he was talking to people that kept moving the goalposts, while he was talking to people that kept trying to figure out another way to move things around so that everything wouldn't be perfect so they wouldn't get involved, he said, Father, uh, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden the things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to the babes. He prayed in times of trouble. So while I am tired of talking, Jesus lets me know that I don't have to get tired of talking to the right people. So while I cannot continually convince people over and over again about these things that are going on in our community and these things that are going on in this world right now, I can have a little talk with Jesus. I can tell him all about my problems. He'll hear the faintest cry and he will answer by and by. Just a little talk with Jesus will make it all right. If I could quote another song, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All but because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. While Jesus has people around him changing the conversation and moving the goalposts and being willfully ignorant and intentionally stubborn, he talks to God. So that's what I need to continue to do. Stop trying to talk to the people and talk to God. Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. Jesus is inviting us to work. With him, not to stop working, but to work with him. His yoke is easy and his burden is light, not to say that discipleship is some easy walk in the park. Uh, Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light because the yoke that you will carry with Jesus is not absent a struggle. No, no. But it is absent a bunch of unnecessary man-made, made-up rules that keep trying to drive the conversation back. The work for Jesus is what will last. No more changing the rules. No more trying to move the goalposts. No more complaining no matter what way you come at the situation. Just accepting who you are. Jesus' work in discipleship is to, to, to elevate us all. His yoke is easy and his burden is light because he did the heavy work. Uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. So he went on to live a life that we couldn't live. Opening blinding eyes like he told John's disciples to tell John while he was in prison. Raising the dead like he told John's disciples. Healing the sick. Preaching the acceptable year of the Lord. Giving the gospel to the people. That's the work we ought to focus on. That's the work where the yoke is easy and the burden is light. Because the, the hard part was done by a man coming down through 40 and two generations and living a life that we couldn't live and willingly giving himself up 
for us. And then the work was done when he went to the cross for us. Willingly, he could have called 10,000 angels and saved just himself, but he decided to die just to save us. The yoke is easy because he did that. He, the yoke is easy because he died. And the yoke is easy because he got up on the third day with all power in his hands. So all we got to do is live towards him. All we got to do is talk towards him. All we have to do is repent and reconcile ourselves back to Jesus. The hard work's already been done. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. We don't have to do that much more talking. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simpson Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching, and God bless.